Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 404 DGS. Happy New Year. Uh, first show back. Uh, we have the Think Tank coming up. Uh, Alvin Reed and Mike Gillum. One of the guys is running a little bit behind, so we'll start it at 420 and go to 5. Um, question for you. So Mike Rowe, I think everyone knows Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs. Uh, he's obviously he's made his living with, you know, I'm a working man to get my hands dirty and, you know, union jobs and all that stuff. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, I tend to agree with him that, uh, you know, if I had a child, well, I guess I do have a child uh, of that age. And they said, you know, what? I think I'm going to go become a plumber or a welder or a carpenter. I'd be like, that's so smart. That's so smart. Go do that. Start making money when you're 20 instead of paying back loans until you're 40. Uh, this is quite an intro to, to Mike Rowe. Anyway, <laughs> he, uh, over the holiday, said that the American work ethic is dead. Now, of course, you know, you got to say things in a big way to get any attention. Uh, you know, he said there used to be a time when I was younger that, uh, you know, people were rewarded for it. They took pride in it. And now it's just gone. It's all about quiet quitting and doing the least you can and uh Get away with whatever you can. Don't put in a 12-hour day if you're only getting paid for eight. Thoughts? I mean, I do tend to agree with him. I think that old-school mentality of, like, I'm going to work and do a good job for the sake of doing a good job, I do think that that's kind of out the window in the United States. But I, I also think it's an effect as much as it is a cause. Like, I think that, like you, you said, as part of that, like, reward for hard work or whatever, I don't think companies really reward hard work so much anymore in a way that they, they did in the past. There's no, like, I, I, I think in all, most cases there's no, like, bonuses. There's no, like, and a lot of times it's just workers being kind of pushed to the, the limit. We have people, job, what a, a, a company that used to have 600 employees now has 100, and everyone's doing six different jobs. I, I think that I, I totally agree with Rachel, but I think that I think that part of why it's been lost is not just because people suddenly up and we're like, I'm lazy now. I think it's more just like, man, I'm not seeing anything from this. So why am I working so hard? Yeah, well, we didn't. I can't remember. I think it was when you were out, Dave, but we had the story of the CEO. Man, I must have really missed some great stuff on <laughs> the show. This guy's a billionaire CEO, and his message for his employees in 2024 is, well, you know what? Prepare to work more. Work more hours. Work harder. You know, make work part of your home life and all that because we got to make money. Well, you want me to work more, pay me more. You know, I think 
I think both things are true, I think, and they feed off of each other. But when my dad was in that position of just put your nose down and work and you'll get you up, it was more true than it is now. It's a two-way street. If you want loyal, hardworking employees, treat them well. I was going to ask uh, Mike and Alvin this question, but I think I'll ask you guys now because it's, it's related that this is, of course – painting with a broad brush, but I think when I was little and my dad was working, that of course you complained about your company and your boss, and you know, that's that's it's always been that way. But I do remember and think this is true, that people did take pride. Like, oh, I work for Boeing. I work for, you know, CBS, KMOX, whatever it is. Yeah. And we're the best, damn it. And I go in there every day and I give them my best because I'm proud. There's like a teammate vibe. And certainly in America, there is a teammate vibe. Now, I may be a Republican and you may be a Democrat, but damn it. Let's go defeat the Japanese. Let's go teach the Germans a lesson. You know, we'll show you who you're messing with. You're messing with America. It chills me to the bone to think that we have lost that. That if we were attacked again, Pearl Harbor style, 9-11 style, I'm not sure that we would come together as teammates. I'm not sure that uh, anyone much younger than me, and I'm not just judging based on age, because, you know, we all grew up in our time. And I, I readily admit, I think a lot of what I learned was kind of propaganda, right? Uh but I'm not sure that we would come together left and right, black and white, gay and straight. Let's go get these guys. Or uh, there's a huge solar flare and everyone's kind of screwed. Let's come together. Let's help each other. Do you think I'm just wrong? Is there uh, – it's a hard question to answer because I was going to ask – is there an example in the past of us not coming together when there's a situation like that? At least temporarily, if not permanently, because nothing's permanent, yeah. right? COVID. We, we certainly did not come together. But that wasn't, That's the that most wasn't, one. but if, if just China invades tomorrow, like physically invades the United States, I think we'd come together in a heartbeat because the one thing that matters is that they're trying to kill all of us. You, I think we need a tan- right. we need a tangible, physical, visible enemy for yeah, us to do you that. You may be right, but an analogy would be like if you're in your workplace and you hate your coworkers, but here comes an active shooter. You're probably going to work together to defeat that active right, shooter. Right, because that person's going to shoot like, all of you. Oh, I hate Ned. Right. I hope he gets shot. Right. So China invading, you may be right, but short of our our actual lives being threatened— like, COVID's a great example. Although our lives were threatened, but we, I think COVID uh, divided us more than it united us. But we're also very much about the visual. Yeah. And right? it, like, what? think about it as, in, like, one of the things that really stood out about 9-11 was seeing the buildings fall. We've talked about this a lot. It's one of the differences between how we reacted to that and how we react to shootings. We don't see the shootings. We don't see what happens to those kids in those classrooms. We're never seeing that. But we, when you see something, it impacts you. And nobody could, quote, see COVID. So it's an invisible enemy, and it's just information against information versus – so I, I guess that's my point. We are not going to come together on ideas. 
it would have to be a visible, physical, tangible threat. But but still, I mean, keeping that in mind, don't you think that if the only time we're coming together, if there's a tangible threat that we have lost that sense yeah. of community that Dave's talking about? To, oh, for sure. To a degree. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think there's any question about that because do you th- okay let's think about like a football team something we can all relate to and let's say that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey hate each other like he's jealous that he's dating uh, uh, Taylor Swift they're still going to do everything they can to win every single game yes do you think that the that that mentality of the USA is going to win does that even have any place anymore? I think that we're so used to the USA winning. Mm -hmm. It's like the default. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's almost an assumption now. 100% agree. Yeah. So you take it for granted. Right. That's a good way to, yes, a good way. Well put. I think we take for granted our place. And look, you know, there's also a lot of fear mongering out there too, right? There's always, well, you know, your enemies are, well, you're, you know, our enemies have problems bigger than ours. China's economy is trashed. They're in big trouble. Russia can't can't even just take a neighbor neighboring country. They're having all kinds of trouble with that. They've got people fleeing their country, like fighting age men leaving because they don't want to get drafted. Like our the people that are our enemies have their own problems that are much bigger than ours. Yet we're always focused on our flaws and how susceptible to things we are. And we are, but we're in a better. I mean, like what country in the world is in a better spot than we are, militarily, financially. Which one? No military is close. The t- the biggest rivals would be Russia and China, right? Well, they're not. They're, they have, again, they have their own problems. So do you think that we're having kind of spoiled kid fights? I do you think so. Yeah, with each other? I think so, to a degree, yeah. Because think about when we grew up, Dave. The big bad enemy, the one that was our biggest threat, was the Soviet Union. Well, that felt like a real threat, whether it was or it wasn't. You know, there's if you I guess historically you could probably debate whether or not it was an actual threat, but you had the whole nuclear thing, right? You had the 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 Cold War being played out over generations, but now that there's no quote unquote rival, and the one country that is considered a rival in terms of numbers and size is China, but we're also business partners with them. Their economy is relying on us; we're relying on them. Here's another giant question: gut reaction. Do you think that we are? Better off slash happier, which I understand are two different questions, valuations. But in general, are we better off slash happier now that we have so much more information than we did, say, 30 years ago Mm -hmm. about everything? The government. No, we're not. Um, Because disinformation carries as much weight as actual information. Because while we have more info to, to access, we also have more flack being thrown into the sky. We have more things being thrown out there that are, are not just not true. I mean, let's be honest, that, that pe- people use information as a means of warfare now. And if you want to talk about where our enemies are hurting us the most, it's there. They know that we will, we will damage ourselves and all they got to do is poke us. Using information, using BS information, using certain bits of information. And I do think that the availability of both real info, Mm -hmm. verifiable info, and the fake stuff makes everybody unhappier. Okay, one more question. Does it feel, because neither of you know, 
does it does this feel like a phase that we are going to grow out of like a midlife crisis or drinking too much in college? Or does this feel like the new normal that we're going to deviate five or 10 percent up or down? But this is the new normal. I think it's probably the new normal barring some sort of huge disaster. Um, like, you know, Wheel said someone actually invading us. <laughs> but if if things just keep chugging along the way they are, I know I don't think it's a phase that we'll grow out of. I think that this is just the way it is now. Oh, man, I you're going to hate me on my answer because I don't think there ever is a new. I, I think it's always a new normal. I don't think there's ever a going back to anything. When Pearl Harbor happened, there was no going back to the way it was before. World War II and everything that followed changed the way the world was going to be for us. And everything that's happened since is doing the same thing. So I would say, no, there's no going back. But it's also not a phase. It's just the way it, it, it's just the passage of time and the impact of events around the world on human beings. Like you're, you're not you can't go back to a time. Right. Is that, am I saying that in a way that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. It just seems like the world in general and America in particular seems like uh, a teenager who is in that phase where they figured out that their parents aren't perfect and they assume their parents are stupid and they're never going to do anything that their parents did. And that feels how America is right now. So I try to tell myself that we're just in an adolescent phase for one reason or another. And we'll grow up just like a 17-year-old will grow up. But do you mean grow up to, okay, now we're grown up, so now we're doing things the way we did in the past? Or do you mean grow up and now we're just doing things more efficiently okay. and more I, humanely? I think, this anal- I think this analogy works. That when you're a kid, a small child, you follow the rules and you do the right thing because you're being forced to. You're going to get time yeah. out. You're going to get a spanking, yeah. what have you. And then when you're a teenager, you're like, you know what? You're not going to hit me anymore, so screw you. I'm going to do things my way. And then you get old enough and you mature and you go, you know what? Doing the right thing really does seem like the right thing to do. I'm going to do that. So I think that as a country, as a people, we were kind of small kids, kind of institutionalized. Uh, you do the right thing. You're going to get punished. You're going to this. You're going to that. And we're like, okay, you're going to toe the line. And then in the last 20, 30 years, especially the last like 10, it's kind of been like, hey, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. And you're evil. And you're the enemy. And you're the enemy. I'm hoping that we get to a phase 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years from now where we grow up as a society, as a species, and we go, okay, no one's going to make me do the right thing. And, of course, that's debatable what the right thing is in any given situation. But that we choose to be better Treat each other with more civility, return to reason and logic as opposed to bomb throwing and name calling. That's my hope. Remember a while back I, I brought this up. That there's a sociologist who, who basically says we run in cycles, right? We, we run in these like 30 to 40 year cycles. Like there's a there's kind of a good period, a happy yeah. time, and then there's a controversy or a, a crisis. And then there's the, the downtime and all that. I mean, like if, if you were a 60 year old person, if you if you if I'm a 52 year old guy in 1968 watching the counter protest, the counterculture and the war protests and all the things that were happening in the world, would I have not felt the same way then? Seeming like everything's falling apart and everything's crazy. Well, what followed that? I wrote that down, was a period of pretty good calm. I wrote down uh, over the weekend something to that effect. I have three pages today. <laughs> Oh, I wrote down 
Uh, I have never been more sane, and the world has never seemed less sane. Yeah. Maybe everyone who gets to a certain age feels that way. I think it's just experience, right? But we're also in a crazy time, right? The, the point, I guess, I guess the point I would make is it's not the first crazy time. Yeah. We've had the Civil War. We've had all kinds of crazy times. And after each, there has always been a period of calm that lasts yeah. for a certain amount of time. Uh, let's do this in a couple of breaks. Uh, quick break, right back. Uh, Mike Elam and Alvin Reeder here are going to do the Think Tank in a couple of minutes. Welcome back, guys. DGS and KMOX 423 Think Tank. Uh, Alvin Reed uh, had something come up. Couldn't make it. Covering from a, from a boy. Uh, and I can't even get on Donnybrook. So. <laughs> Have you ever asked, though? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Every day when I saw Charlie Brennan, he'd be like, oh, t- what are you doing this week? We'll get you on this week. Then he'd ghost me. Um, <laughs> yeah. They don't want my ass on Donnybrook. Are you kidding me? That would be awesome on Donnybrook. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, so, Mike Elam's uh, here with us. So, uh, let's continue this conversation. You got to hear some of it. Yeah. And your point was just really fascinating. That at council meetings across the country, yeah, it's gone from uh, points of parliamentary procedure to I'm going to scream at you yeah. and call you every name in the book. So let's not worry about you know whether we would come together if the Chinese attack. Let's just talk about civility in modern life. Yeah, I, I why think- were we civil 20 years ago, and why aren't we now? Well, I think a lot of what you guys were talking about fits with where we are. Um, like I was saying off the air, we didn't get to where we are overnight. We got there little by little by little. So when you start looking at the morality of the country in general, I think as that continues to, in my view, erode, uh, like you were talking about, you've got to have the adult in the room that causes some sort of penalty for bad behavior. We don't put penalties on bad behavior anymore. The number one thing I think we have lost in America more than anything else at all levels is accountability. We are afraid to hold people accountable. And that's not just public officials. Can I offer something? Yeah. As you know, I'm an agnostic. I know that you are a believer. But I will. I'm a Southern Baptist minister's son. But I will will (laughs) acknowledge that we are regrouping, not in a post-religion world, it's not post-religion, right. but it's you can look at the trajectory, you can look at the numbers, numbers don't lie, people are less and less religious with, with each ensuing generation. Agreed. Okay? But some of the most aggressive people we're talking about are religious people. True, 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 true. But my point is that for the last few hundred years, we've had the ultimate adult in the room, God, right. who was causing you to... Walk the straight and narrow. Now, fewer and fewer people have that in their life, and we're trying to find new reasons to walk the straight and narrow. So I do think that we're in a phase right now where non-religious people uh, across the world as a people, not as individuals, because like I, I, I kind of understand mine, right. but as a society— we're trying to find reasons and ways to be moral without God making us. Does that make sense? I, I see the point that you're making. I don't know that I agree with you that we're finding ways to be moral. I think we're finding ways to justify immorality more than anything else. It's okay to do whatever you want to do. It's okay. I'll find a way to justify it. It doesn't matter and, and pick any subject that you want, right? 
you will find somebody that says, well, that's just you being you, man. Your truth is your truth. That's not true. There is truth. That is it. Your truth is is not different. It Which can we be. all agree with when one of our truths is, when one of our well, lines is crossed. Well, determine it? That's the whole thing, though. It can't be your truth, your truth, her truth, my truth. Can't be that well, way. Well, there is no the truth or we'd all know what it is. There is a the truth. There, there, what is it? There, it depends on what you're talking about. I mean, that's you, you can't just broadly say that. Well, I thought we were talking big picture, like an overarching truth. Well, I, I mean, because, yeah, sure, I, there I, are easy, provable truths in the tangible world. But, but I, when we're talking about belief systems and how people see things, what's the truth? But I'm not even trying to, to make it a God thing, right? So if, if you look at where I was born in 1966, Okay. It, it wasn't that long ago in my, in my opinion. God, I'm right? older than Mike Elam. <laughs> it's like, it's, you, that's why you should be on Donnybrook. You're age appropriate. It, it works. But if you look at where we were in the 1960s, and mind you, the, the mid to late 60s was Vietnam era, right? There was this whole coming apart of what people then would call a moral fiber of the country. But if you look at where we were then... And look at where we are now. People in the 60s and 70s would never have thought that we would be where we are now culturally, right? So in St. Charles, we just had this big deal with the library district. And the library district just announced that they're going to pull a book from the shelves that they said uh, they agreed is inappropriate at a public library. It's called Bang Like a Porn Star. It's a book that basically walks you through how to be a good homosexual lover with graphic photos and all that kind of stuff that was in a public library. And people say, you know, there's free speech and all that stuff. And then you get into, well, okay, but that's taxpayer funded money, right? So there's a limit to what is okay. And I come down on the fact of you should serve the community you should match the community that you serve, right? So if you're in San Francisco, maybe that's a fine well, book What about to be the in. people that live in St. Charles County that want to read the book? They pay taxes. So they can they can buy it on Amazon. But they can have any other book in the library paid for by other by their their money for other people who don't share their beliefs. So you come back to the fact of uh you match the community in which you serve, right? So Whatever, whatever is going to be, and you probably need to break right now, don't you? So yeah, I'll we'll, pause on that. Thought. The show will be back uh, in a couple minutes. I, for one, quit. Um, <laughs> hearing you say those words has finally done me in. Thank you for 24 years. I'm out. <laughs> Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 440 DGS and Camo X, first show back. Happy New Year. The Think Tank. Uh, boy, how smart was Alvin Reed to get out of this one? <laughs> <laughs> I've always said that guy's a genius. <laughs> you know, I I should have called in sick today. Oh, boy, should you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, I would argue that I'm the problem, but that's all right. I, I, I would argue I you're think, the problem, like, too. First day but... back, I'd hear Elam go like, it's called bang like a porn star. Uh, <laughs> no, this okay. is going to be great. I'm it's, clearly dreaming. It's um, a family show. It'll be great for everybody. <laughs> so... But it's a dysfunctional family, so it's fine. Welcome. That's the norm these days. Welcome to it. So I spent my long break there uh, having a delightful conversation with my good friend Maria Kina. Hadn't seen her for a couple of weeks. Rach, you spent it listening to these two buffoons. Can you kind of catch me up? Um, it's hard to, it was, yeah, it got, it got (laughs) off the rails a little bit. A couple of different things and I was trying to like run the board. So yeah. I don't know how to try catch to pretend you like oh, I'm that not was even good. Attention. You have worked with an attorney for a while. <laughs> that was good. I like that. I mean, that was plausible deniability, so, ladies and gentlemen. Right there. Did Elam get wheelered? No. No. Oh, okay. No, it was fairly even. Yeah, I. In fact, Mike's, Mike, good. Mike's good at that stuff. Mike man. is also a good arguer, yeah. and it was in, at one point he was like, "You're really hard to argue with wheels because you change the <laughs> like." There's so many things that are going keep on. Moving on you. It's, <laughs> it, you start in one area, and and you oh, feel like you feel like you're going somewhere, and then all of a sudden we just made a 180 degree turn and went yeah. down somewhere else. And I went, "Wait, wait, wait! Where did you go?" If it makes you feel better, he's like this at lunch. Oh lord! He's like, "Oh really? So tuna's like chicken?" You're like, "I never even said that." What are you talking? <laughs> About. You did say burgers. that. What? How did that happen? What was the uh, primary point of contention? It, the big. If we want to sum it up, I think the easiest way would be how, where who gets to make. And I'm talking about like in in society, not yeah. in human relationships, not in families, but w- like how do guidelines form locally versus in a county versus in a state versus in a federal right? And the idea that. Well, if the debate was about whether or not the local control or opinion of an issue is what trumps necessarily a bigger, larger issue. Is that right? Am I putting it that way? And you you disagreed on that? Well, I I think that I I don't think they're different. I think they're tied together. And that was the that was kind of why I went to some of the bigger examples that were analogies, not necessarily directly related to that point, because there are limitations to what a local group can say, we believe in our community. Like you yeah. couldn't believe that the First Amendment doesn't exist. You don't. You couldn't. You couldn't make rules that say, you know, that that uh, women can't vote in our county. Like those kind. Like just because people would believe that in a community, if they did, doesn't mean they get to enact that. I have a thought on this. Um, back when I was in law school, I remember this thought hit me: that what separates us from the beasts really is law. 
that we, we, we say we're a nation of laws, and we are. Right. Many nations are. They may have different laws and rules, but they are. But it struck me as a law student because at WashU, they try to uh, – I mean, it's a fine institution. But they try to justify the tuition by letting you feel like a genius, right? <laughs> it's all philosophic and very esoteric. And it struck me – and I actually raised my hand and said this in class once – that yes, but it always – eventually comes down to someone putting their hands on you that if I'm a, a criminal defendant and I go through the entire process, due process, hire a fancy lawyer, there's a fancy prosecutor, there's a judge, there's a jury, they're all wearing suits. We have a six week trial. You find me guilty. And I go, OK, I'm just going to walk out. Eventually, someone bigger than me puts their hands on me and takes me somewhere I don't want to go. Does that make sense? Yes. So whether it's 10,000 B.C. or 2024, it's based on the law. Do you follow the rules or not that the people who we have decided are our elected officials create, which you've been one of, Mike? But then past that, if I decide not to follow the laws that Mike Elam representative has passed, eventually someone's going to put their hands on me. Right. And that is a weird thought to me. That we're like really fancy monkeys, <laughs> but eventually it comes down to monkey stuff. Eventually it comes down to one chimp putting their hands on the other chimp. Well, I, I think when you were starting to talk about, you know, do, are we in a new norm? Where are we at? Eventually it's got to come back to accountability. Somebody's got to be there and making the call. So right before we went on, the example that I gave is Harry Truman had the buck stops here, right? At some point, because... Arguing with Wheeler, the big, well, who gets to make that? Well, who gets to make that go? I'm like, a lot of this is predisposed based on what you just said, right? You have a federal constitution that trumps all, pardon the expression. Then you have a state that defines how the state is going to live within the federal guidelines. And then you have a local community that's going to be able to make that. And then within the local community, you have a love of a lot of others who are there, a school board, a library board, a fire board, insert community here, right? Lots of different political subdivisions. At every level along the way, there should be accountability. And there should be an agreed standard that the community is going to function under. What I think your point gets back to is that agreed standard has become questioned today. Mm -hmm. And there are an awful lot of people who've said, you know what? I don't think you can put your hands on me. And there's enough, there's enough people out there who have said, you know what? He may be right. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can't put my hand. Why do I get to put my hands on you? Mm -hmm. Like, well, because he put his hands on someone else. And uh, to dovetail in with you, how do we change those existing laws? You volunteer to have someone put their hands on you. African-Americans in the 50s and 60s went to lunch counters where right. they knew they couldn't eat mm -hmm. and said, mm -hmm. you're going to have to put your hands on me. And when you do, we're going to challenge this law right. through the due process and eventually changed in a sea change the laws of a nation because they volunteered to have someone put their hands on them. But the key with that is everyone agreed on the due process. Mm -hmm. Everyone followed the process. Right now, we don't even have people who agree on the process. I mean, we have all these states that 
are talking about we're going to keep Donald Trump off the ballot because we think he's an, he's an insurrectionist. Well, to Wheeler's question that he kept throwing back at me, who gets to decide who's an insurrectionist? He hasn't been charged. He hasn't been convicted. What makes him an insurrectionist? Just because you say it? Is, is that it? Well, I mean, that actually gets to the point that I was making. Just because someone says it doesn't make it so. Just because someone is upset about the title of a book or what's in it doesn't automatically mean it is the way they see it. But someone has got to be in charge. Someone has authority under the color of the law. So in this case that we were talking about with Trump, before you brought up the library again, conflating the issues. (laughs) They're parallels. They're not conflating. They are not. So in this particular case, you have a Supreme Court that is going to have to make this call. And now the question is going to be, and, and this is what I think is an open question, will the states agree to follow what the Supreme Court says, yeah. or will the states just flip them a big bird and say, Agreed. we're not doing it anyway? Agreed. And if they do, who's going to stop them? Who's going to put their hands in the states? I, and yeah. I don't know well, I that we have an answer to that. Pretty clear, because we've never seen it happen that way, right? And that's where have we Have we are. ever seen a state defy we the Supreme Court? Well, 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 we, we saw it in 1861 War. pretty well, clearly. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm talking about, like, now. I think at different levels. I mean, we're seeing it Only with Texas and the, the federal process. government right now. Only under the legal process. But the, the, right, they've continued the fight in yes. courts, but they've not just flat out said, we're doing it anyway. Not that I can recall. <laughs> but we may see it. Maybe. M- Mike's point is, yeah. is really good. And if we do, they're wrong to do it. Well, you're seeing it with Texas right now and illegal immigration, and I know you need to break. But you have the federal government who is suing a state, who a state is saying, I am being invaded and I cannot, I have to be able to protect my the sovereignty of my state. And the federal government is saying, no, you can't. You have to let these people overrun you, and there is not a damn thing you can do about it. And the And the state of Texas is going, you're kidding me, right? I have to sit here and let people put hands on me, and I can't do anything about it. Just to beat that analogy one more time. I'm not saying this is a joke. We live in an interesting time. We do. We live in a time, uh, a historic time. We've, we live in a time that I think we are very close to having a reckoning happen. What does that reckoning look like? I have no prediction. But I think we are, I think there are so many people who have sat on the sidelines for so long and said, can't we all just get along, Right. And I think those people are getting pushed to the point where yeah. eventually they're going to go, I- I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it One anymore. last thought. You know I think you're a smart guy. I appreciate I that. I take you less seriously because you're dressed exactly like Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we it's our curse, Can we get a photo and post it, please? Can, 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 Mike, I just say, can we twist that, though, and say that maybe Andrew's doing a little better because he looks like Mike? Can, can hey, I just him out into one person? Can yeah, I no, just say 20, 2024 is starting off on a high note because a guy I really respect and think is a very smart guy just said publicly he thinks I'm a smart guy. Oh, yeah. I appreciate <laughs> that. Smart that. I really do. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.